voice of reason, integrity, and freedom. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. What a stupid son of a bitch. It is our unity now that will be much more effective in deterring any Russian aggression. Putin continues to ramp up the pressure militarily. The U.S. has, has had enough of war. They're going to invade any day now. There's no uh, appetite for any kind of conflict in the White House, much less the American people. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views back. Uh, we had a little uh, situation yesterday with uh, a little COVID in the office, so uh, we decided to uh, punt on yesterday. We're back. <laughs> Just uh, uh, Benny and... Uh, Ben and I, Ben's uh, producing for us today. Just a couple of good old SOBs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. He uh, stepped in it again. Yeah, I think Uncle Joe's, he's looking like the stupid SOB. And I think um, pretty much Peter Deuce is looking pretty good. I think pretty much everybody, uh, the various channels I flipped around, uh, everybody's getting starting to pile on Biden a little bit. Yeah, although I saw one story that uh, NBC News, I think it was, was trying to defend what Joe Biden was saying because Joe wanted questions just to be a- about the economy and how people are surviving. I, I mean, I'm-, I'm paraphrasing there. Well, Peter Ducey asked a question about inflation. Well, doesn't that have something to do with the economy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that's twice he has, uh, well, it's the first time he's attacked a reporter directly like that. But, you know, he called uh, another Fox reporter, because we talked about it just last week, mm-hmm. called her question stupid. And this time it's uh, Peter Ducey, whose question is stupid, and Peter's well, an SOB. Well, since when does the president get to, you know, filter through the questions and say, hey, we're going to only talk about this topic? I mean, it's one thing if it was, you know, if you had a – if you have a representative from, say, a foreign government or a – or, or the particular a, a, to- an emergency, yeah, or specific topic at hand. Maybe some you know emerging technology for some electric vehicle company, and that's what your press conference is about. I don't think it's all that appropriate to go into other things, but heck, this was just a well. And how many other times when the president is leaving the podium and questions are shouted out at him? Uh, and I give you credit; you you said it before we went on the air. He is like. The doddering old man, our, our apologies to doddering old men in nursing homes, but he's like the old guy in the corner of the nursing home. They haven't quite put him in a straitjacket yet, but you go in to see your grandmother or your great aunt or something to say hi on a Sunday afternoon, and he's over there cursing at you. You know, and I've said it before, um, if he does this in public – with a hot mic yeah. <laughs> on national television, what does he do behind closed doors in the White House? Wow. Yeah. I bet he's probably walking around the White House with nothing on at all. And that's a uh, – Oversharing. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's not a good word picture there. I, you know. <laughs> uh, interesting news that has come out basically within the last hour or so in Carolina Journal. Uh, first of all, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson – has uh, announced that his campaign has raised more than $1.5 million. Now, 
the the way the article reads, it sounds like it's for his reelection for lieutenant governor campaign. Does anybody really think he's running for reelection of uh, lieutenant governor? I don't think so. I don't think you'd raise that kind of money for an office that most people. Well, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people could not tell you who the lieutenant governor is in North Carolina, except the fact that it's Mark Robinson. Yeah. I mean, and Mac, Mark Robinson has got to be the most popular lieutenant governor uh, in a long, long, long time uh, for the state of North Carolina. I mean, the only w- way you could possibly go back and recite who the previous lieutenant governors were is if they made uh, made it to the governor's office, right. mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, Dan Forrest ran last time and didn't make it, but uh, you know that'll that'll soon be forgotten. But uh, you know it looks like he is. Uh, and we said this. We went. Uh, you and I both went to a, a fundraiser he had in Eastern North Carolina. It's probably been a year ago now, I guess. And it was uh, like last September, August, or September, yeah, something maybe? like that. Last summer, sometime. And uh, it was a good crowd there. Mm-hmm. And we we said then, uh, you know, that that crowd is not to reelect a lieutenant governor that is to elect a uh, new governor and there's been a number of those like that oh yeah that was one of <laughs> around many. eastern north carolina yeah, yeah we didn't we didn't raise 1.5 million at that event alone so uh yeah I don't, I don't know what the total was that night but uh yeah he's had a bunch of those events and uh good for him i listen i am i'll be your campaign manager uh mark i i just think he is a uh one of the best things that has happened to North Carolina politics in a long, long time. And it's guys like Mark Robinson that keep the uh, Republican Party on the straight and narrow. And uh, But you know what? There's been a lot of guys come through, and uh, and some gals, for that matter, too, that have come through that look really good. Fortunately, Mark's not going to uh, drink the Potomac water. He'll only be in Raleigh and not up in uh, D.C., but my gosh— People that have come through, you thought, well, this guy's the this guy's the real deal, or this gal's the real one. Well, he, not, he's not so much. Uh, he's seen a lot so far with uh, Democrat Party pushback and kind of, you know, ads and things that uh, you know they're really tough on him. But you, it, it, once he announces that he is running for governor, uh, he better be ready. I think he is. But it, it's well, going, he hasn't backed down yet. He has. He's, he's no. drawing some fire, and he hasn't. In fact, he just he doubles down. Yep. So uh, anyway, he was very, very grateful the, for the money that's been raised, and uh, we will keep an eye as, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's not that far away. No, and once, uh, I mean, when is, when is the primary? We don't, in North Carolina, we don't know when the elections are going to be. I mean, I guess we can assume that they're going to be this fall, but the primary, I mean, I wouldn't pass put it past anything for the Democrats to try to say, let's see, when do, when do most people take vacations? That's when oh, we're yeah. going to have the primary. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they've done that before. Also, speaking of primaries, former President Donald Trump has renewed his endorsement of Ted Budd for the North Carolina Senate race. The president's comments come after Politico reported last week that he was starting to have regrets about backing Budd. Ted Budd, who I endorsed many months ago for U.S. Senate, is now leading the pack in North Carolina, according to release from Trump Monday night. He is the true American first fighter who stands tall for the Second Amendment, fights for our great military, blah, 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 blah. Trump added that Bud is the only candidate he has endorsed in the race, saying Bud has his complete and total endorsement. The John Locke Foundation's latest Civitas poll suggests any change in Trump's approach to his endorsement could have had substantial impact on the Republican primary election. Scheduled now for May the 17th, 
or June the 7th or whenever it's going to be, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the Supreme Court. Uh, questions about Trump and Bud cropped up in Friday's edition of Politico Playbook at, in a section dubbed the Double Dipper. Donald Trump has floated the idea of dueling out dual endorsements in some of the key midterm races. Now he's talking about the primaries there as he becomes increasingly suspicious of his advisors who are pushing competing candidates, wrote Tara, uh, Tara Palomari. The uh, GOP kingmaker in chief has grown so distrustful of all the advice he's getting from various aides and so wary of being lured into picking the wrong horse that he's floated the idea that he would essentially dilute his endorsement, Paula Mary added. So he has doubled down on Ted Bud. I mean, the truth of the matter is, how can Donald Trump, I mean, he's got to go on advice of others. And you better have some good advisors. Uh, you know, you maybe can't trust all the candidates that you endorse, but you better be able to, uh, and you know, and trust your advisors that are giving you the the plays you know who to call where to go yeah i I gotta believe that's all mark meadows you know i maybe i'm wrong that's just mark meadows recommendation and that's what i'm sure yeah i'm sure mark would uh, be a part of that for sure but it it, to me it will be interesting to see just how positive of influence that will be because you know I mean, most people speculate that Trump is in the race for 2024. I mean, he certainly doesn't look otherwise. I mean, he yeah. hasn't given any indication he's not going to run. So, I mean, the closer we keep getting to 2024, which I know that's a long ways away, but it, you know, they're going to attack and attack and attack Trump and, you know, this whole January 6th nonsense and anyone that that's connected to Trump, they're going to try to paint them with that, you know, broad, broad brush and, um, I, I just I'm I'm still waiting to see if that's going to be pot. obviously Trump won North Carolina pretty handily considering you know North Carolina is a purple state but I I just don't know I don't know about that endorsement yet. Well, and you wonder how many honest votes there were. I mean, I know he took it, which <laughs> you look at the vote and you say, okay, how much did he really take it by? Right, but he, uh, he won what two three percent something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Lots more to talk about. I do want to get to one story before we go to break, though. Um, WRAL is reporting that the state is seeking the death penalty against a man accused of killing a five-year-old Wilson boy in August of 2020. I don't know if you remember the story. We reported on it when it came out. Uh, the guys, the, the man who accused of murder is Darius Sensums, 25, pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder in court earlier today. He was indicted by a grand jury for first-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a felon on December 22, 2021. Um, the little boy was a young man by the name of Cannon Hannett, and uh, he was. It, it was bizarre. He was riding his bike outside his dad's home on Archer's Road in Wilson, and he was shot in the head by Sensums. And what was odd about it was the father of the little boy, uh, Austin Hannett, said that he and the killer, the accused murderer, were on friendly terms. In fact, he said he was over at his house the night before for dinner. Mm-hmm. And, and, this, and, and the parent, the father witnessed it, right? Uh, the, the two sisters witnessed two it. Two sisters, okay. Mm. Um, so anyway, the state has now come out and said, we're going to seek the death penalty on this guy. And uh, the mom, uh, her name is, um, she's gotten remade, uh, Bonnie Parker is Cannon's mom. And uh, she just said, you know what, this would mean, it, we're never going to get our child back, but this would be the closest we could get to justice for Cannon. And uh, 
apparently uh, Sensons came in, pleaded not guilty, and really didn't show any remorse. Of course, if he's convicted and sentenced to uh, – I mean, in North Carolina, we just don't put people to death. We put them to death row, and they they stay there and yeah. and, and spend uh, <clears throat> millions on legal fees. Yeah, and housing fees. <laughs> housing fees and everything. And how, how would uh, Josh Stein, if he had the choice, would, would he uh, – Ditch the uh, oh he'll he'll run away from the issue he he he'll do whatever it takes to you know he he's I, I, it is so obvious that he's I mean he's yeah gonna be he, he'll be the he's, Democrat he's he'll running, be the Democrat running against Mark he, Robinson yeah, yeah. yeah. he's running that will be a fun race yeah <laughs> there'll be no doubt that uh, you have uh, two diametrically opposing uh, viewpoints there. Uh, the UNC Chapel Hill is in the news. The U.S. Supreme Court is poised to make what could be a landmark ruling on the constitutionality of affirmative action after justices decided yesterday to take up cases arising from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and Harvard University. Uh, Harvard is the oldest private university in the country. Chapel Hill is the oldest state university in the country. And here's the deal. You know, Chapel Hill comes out and they they make the statement that well we decide on a variety of of different uh, issues when we uh, you know invite someone to come be a student at Chapel Hill you know it's you know outside involvement in the community it is uh, grades obviously it is your ACT scores blah 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 and it's also race well here's the problem with what Chapel Hill says they don't tell you how they weigh those things. I mean, if you're giving each of those things even equal treatment, that might be one thing. Or if, well, I mean, I don't think it would be, but you know, that might be an argument. Or if if race was a 1% deciding factor. But they haven't told us what the how they weighed it. I mean, man, my hunch is that, that the, the race issue is fairly heavily weighted. I would think so. I mean, that... And that's in the, um, you know, under premise of diversity and that type of thing. And they probably, um, I mean, you know, they look at numbers. They they have to. And they, um, I, I'm sure they have to heavyweight it that way just to make sure they have, you know, to get the numbers they want. The group um, Students for Fair Admission sued UNC Chapel Hill and Harvard for unfairly discriminated against white and Asian students in their admission process. Now, you know, the... the a uh, group that represented my case against the FCC, um, Center for Individual Rights out of D.C., they have handled very similar cases in the past, and they've gone all the way to the Supreme Court. Sometimes they've been lower courts, um, lo- lower federal courts. But they, they've handled several cases, uh, University of Texas, University of Michigan. And while it has not been fait accompli, in courts that were less conservative than the Supreme Court is right now, it, uh, I, it, it's safe for me to say that they were highly questioning the practices of these racial preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a much more conservative Supreme Court. My hunch is they're going to come down uh, with a uh, pretty decisive decision that, uh, wait a minute, you, you cannot, you know, we're supposed to be living in a colorblind society. And of course, you know, under the, under this woke culture, we're anything but that. Uh, liberals are anything but that. Now, you know, it's 
it's all about your color. But uh, my hunch is that, uh, and, and by the way, this they announced they will hear it sometime later this year. It'll probably be sometime next year before we'll actually have a decision. They'll probably hear it this fall and come next spring, next uh, June of 2023, we'll probably have a decision from the Supreme Court. You know, it's just not easy to... Everybody says, well, you know, take the, take the case to the Supreme Court, and that's not... No, that's not too easy. <laughs> that's no. not too easy to do. That's no. in a long, long process. Yes, yes. So, well, and again, this was this goes back to 2014. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be nine years, uh, eight, eight, nine years before you have a decision out of it. Wow. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. More news and views with Tom and Benny coming right up. Real conservative thinking. Real conservative talk. You're thinking it. They say it. Tom and Sadie. <laughs> All right, welcome in. That's a uh, throwback. You're not looking nearly as good as Sadie used to look there, Benny. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben, I, I don't know where you found that. Did you have to blow the dust off that thing to get that to fly? Wow. Yes. Sadie, she's uh, up in Daleville, Virginia. And uh, it's now Tom and Benny. And uh, today's broadcast is brought to you in part by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club, voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Their newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a little bit of time, join Ironwood Pay Zero Initiation Fees. Give them a call, 252 752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best. Ironwood Golf and Country Club. It won't be long. Spring will be here. The weather will be warming up. Actually, I wanted to get out there today because it got up into the 50s just to hit some balls. But, I uh, think you missed your opportunity because it's yeah. going to be cold from here And they're on talking out. about uh, snow again More Saturday stuff. morning? Yeah. This will be like thir- the third Saturday in a row that the snow has been on the forecast. Mm-hmm. How much snow was in Greenville? Yeah, I th- probably out where we are at Ironwood was uh, we probably got uh, at least three inches, and it actually drifted in some places mm-hmm. where it was a little little thicker up on the roof. But, yeah, it was a little uh, more out my way, four, four and a half. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, it was you know, the disappointing part was, uh, you know, went to bed, it was sleeting, woke up the next day, and uh, the snow had finished. I, it's fun to watch the snow come down. While you're sitting in front of the fireplace and mm. <laughs> nice and warm while the snow's coming down outside. Well, a friend of mine that's from eastern North Carolina, like myself, said it's the perfect snow. It starts after lunch on Friday, and it's gone before you go to work on Monday. So. That is true. Now, for the kids that wanted to get out of school, not so much. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, it is, it is so frustrating to see organizations like Black Lives Matter D.C., basically mocking police officers now that have been shot. Just today, that second police officer up in New York, a domestic incident in Harlem five days ago, two police officers were called by a a woman who said her son, Jason Riviera, was – I'm sorry, Jason Riviera was one of the uh, police officers – the uh, officer who uh, passed away was Wilbert Mora, passed away today. His his partner, Jason Riviera, passed away several days ago. Um, LaShawn McNeil was threatening his mother with a gun. They went back to take care of the mother uh, in this back bedroom, and uh, this 
LaShawn McNeil kicks in the door and just starts shooting the police officers. Mm -hmm. No no warning, no nothing. And uh, now both officers have died. Uh, You've got situation down uh, on Sunday down in Houston, Harris County, Precinct 5, uh, Corporal Charles Galloway was shot and killed during a traffic stop in what authorities have called an ambush attack. Um, and, And now you have Black Lives Matter complaining the cops are getting too much sympathy, and they're treated as heroes. Um, they, they they said it's the spread of propaganda mm-hmm. instead of propaganda. I mean, does anybody at, at the Black Lives Matter headquarters think that this is going to win them any influence, any friends? Well, it got them a lot of money during the George Floyd era of, you know, the months that followed um, – they raised millions of dollars through, you know, basically, uh, you know, people thought they were contributing to one thing, and they're really just contributing to a an arm of the Democrat Party. Is all all it is. I mean, when once you went to their website, it was the same fundraising websites of of Democrat related um, bingo. What 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 do you call those? Uh, the the five uh, five oh somethings. I, I can't remember what you call them now, but the uh, you know. Supposedly non non profit. The non profit. Yeah, what a joke is, is a joke, and and now uh, yeah, the, the the gal that uh, started Black Lives Matter. I don't know if she's still in it or not. Didn't they kick her out because she was spending all the money that they raised buying four or five houses down in Florida? And and corporate America stupid enough to send them checks. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. I when I when I saw it last year and saw what they were all about, uh, I made a point to. Um, any any corporation that was making contributions, uh, I I exited my funds from them. No, I and uh, you know I th- and th- we need to be more vocal about that as Americans. And when we see some corporation, you know, bowing the knee to uh, this kind of nonsense, a you need to stop. I mean, if, if you own any stock, you need to sell it. B don't need to go buy their products. And C you need to write to them or call them and just say, you know what. I know you probably don't give a hoot, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm I'm boycotting your product because I disagree with your politics. Uh, the, you know, it 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 boggles my mind every time I see, you know, a large corporation advertise. And by the way, are there any same re- race married couples on TV anymore? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, if you were a Martian and you landed in the United States and started watching TV. Mm-hmm. You would think this is really interesting. I have noticed that every man is one race and every woman is another race, and they all seem to be married. Is that is that law now? Because every advertisement you see is either a black man and a white woman, or a white woman and a black man. And look, I'm, I'm not knocking interracial couples. That's great if that's what you want. But to to watch the advertising of of American television. My, my gosh, you would think 99% of married couples are mixed race. And the other ones, and the ones that are not mixed couples, they're, they're, they're gay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really? Oh, yeah, you see that a lot. And, and you know. And it's it's subtle. I, I was just watching uh, an advertising, I think it was for a hotel chain or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, two guys going into a room together carrying a little boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, 
you know, it's 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 not in your face. A lot of people say, oh, maybe that was you know an uncle and the father. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and and certainly you can make the argument for years. Um, you know, black and brown people, you know, probably were not represented enough in, in right. on Madison Avenue. I mean, and that's the case, and that wasn't right then either, but it's certainly not right now to just flip the switch and do it uh, well, it's, overwhelmingly. It's, yeah, it's comical. Yeah, it is comical. And it, and it's always, when they do have a white person on some commercial, he, he or she is the dumb one. <laughs> I mean, like they, they, you know, oh, oh, you mean I need to re-contribute into my retirement plan? <laughs> uh, I mean, good grief. Dumb white males. Hey, yeah. we're just SOBs. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, of course, <laughs> takes one to know one, Joe. Um, speaking of uh, that, Red State has an interesting article out, black voters throwing Biden under the bus and in increasing numbers. Remember when Cousin Eddie said, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black, which <laughs> Biden later apologized for. He said, I shouldn't have been uh, such a wise guy. But uh, bottom line is, it, the Democrats have taken the black vote for granted, and they probably still do, but they have really taken the black vote for granted. And I've said since we started this program 12 years ago, and I, I still say it, and it's happening, the conservative movement will really get legs as we have more minority voters realizing and joining in the conservative movement. You know, Biden finished, and it wasn't that long ago, I mean, just over a year ago, Biden finished, well, closer to two years ago now for this, uh, Biden finished fifth in New Hampshire, fourth in Iowa, and it was the black voters that got him out of the mess and uh, really elevated him in South Carolina, went on to, now, I think there was a lot of uh, smoke-filled rooms uh, dealing going on uh, in the back room to get Biden there and have everybody else drop out. But uh, just after one year of all that going on, Biden and his policies, Red State reports, 72 percent of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. And black voters specifically, in a recent Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research poll, as reported by ABC, just six in 10 black Americans say they approve the, the job Biden is doing. Uh, it was nine in 10 just six months ago. Sixty percent of black voters say, no, thank you. Or actually, just black Americans. They weren't necessarily the voters just saying no. Well, I, you know, the Democrat Party certainly took the the black vote for granted in, until Donald Trump won. I, I think when they saw the numbers when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, they they knew there's absolutely no way unless we do something and do something fast that they could win ever win a presidential election again and and you saw it as soon as donald trump went into office it started the whole process and the plan in place to start painting him as a racist and white supremacist and this whole talk of of white supremacy in america all of a sudden out of nowhere it was a plan just to paint that with donald trump and and so i mean they, they know the numbers just the way the numbers shake out i mean there's there's very few um, particularly the way Donald Trump appealed to Hispanics. You know, those numbers were the best since what uh, – uh, well, the, the black vote was the best since Nixon yeah. of any Republican, yeah. and the Hispanics was the best since George Bush, the younger George Bush. So, I mean, they knew they had to do something, and, and, and they had the media and full support behind them. The Heritage Foundation came out with an interesting study 
going back to uh, LBJ's disastrous war on poverty back in 1964, the same year when he said, we'll have these stupid blankety-blanks voting yeah, for us for most, the next 200 years. Probably the most racist president wow. since, uh, well, probably other than Joe Biden. Ever. <laughs> probably since Joe Biden. <laughs> um, but the Heritage Foundation pointed out that since 64, the United States taxpayers have spent $22 trillion on the war on poverty. Adjusted for inflation, that's three times the cost of all the military wars since the American Revolution. And, uh, you know, it's when the war on poverty began, just 7% of American children were born outside of wedlock, outside of marriage. As reported by NBC News in 2010, and it's gotten, oh, it's only gotten worse, in 2010, 72% of black children were born to single mothers. And, and, and frankly, the, uh, the white population is just basically a few years behind that number. Yeah, a few years behind it, and it's worse in eastern North Carolina. I yeah. hate to say it. Yeah. Um, but you consider black-on-black murder. You cons- I mean, just everything that the Democrats have promised the, the black community have been for one thing and one thing only. Give us your vote. Yep, vote and power. And they do not give an iota. They care less about uh, you as a person, you as a family. Everything they do is only making it worse. And yet they continue down this path of making these promises for one reason, to get your vote. And that is it. It is a sad state of affairs. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Eastern Carolina's place to talk about coronavirus. It's on the police. Everything. Give me liberty or give me COVID-19. Right now, more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. NBC poll, not too good for Dems. 72% say the country is headed in the wrong direction. 61% say their family income is falling behind the cost of living. Joe Biden, 39% positive, 48% negative, minus nine. This is NBC. Kamala, 32% positive, 49% negative, minus 17. When Americans were asked to describe where they believe America is today, the top answers were downhill, divisive, negative, struggling, lost, and bad. You know, when you were kind of on the subject of Lyndon Johnson, LBJ, and um, Joe Biden. The Great Society. Yeah, the Great Society. But, you know, LBJ back when he, um, you know, going through the Vietnam War, very unpopular, he made a comment, you know, he knew that he had lost America when he lost Walter Cronkite. Hmm. And. I was just thinking last night hearing Chuck Todd, you know, he was pretty critical of Biden to the point of, I mean, he sounded like, yeah. he sounded actually like an objective journalist. So, uh, you know, if, if Joe Biden has lost Chuck Todd, ha, has he lost the mainstream media, you know, because uh, Chuck Todd, what, he's the, what is he, uh, I mean, he's not the anchor, but he is. Meet the press. Meet the press yeah. anchor. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but he's, I mean. I don't see how anybody with an objective mind can't sit here and say. I mean, I, I heard some things last night. Um, Geraldo was on with uh, 
Dan Bongino, I forget who who all was on there. Dan Bongino, Geraldo, and maybe maybe Sean Hannity was interviewing him. I, I can't remember. I was just flipping channels, and Geraldo's actually sit there, can sit there and it was saying that you know, I, I can't say that Biden. I'm I'm not a doctor. I can't say that he's lost any cognitive ability. <laughs> you're right. Th- you're not a doctor. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, Geraldo, maybe you have lost a lot of cognitive <laughs> yeah, really. ability. Good grief. Common sense. I uh, mean, wow. Town Hall's reporting. Uh, this is cut two, Ben. Uh, get ready with it. Um, Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney has taken issue with recent comments made by former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, in which she suggested that the members of the January 6th committee could be behind bars should Republicans take control of Congress following the 2022 midterm elections. Gingrich predicted on Fox News that Republicans will take back the House and the Senate after the elections, that the new Congress would potentially spell trouble for the January 6th committee. Cut to. Uh, you're going to have a Republican majority in the House and a Republican majority in the Senate, and all these people who've been so tough and so mean and so nasty are going to be delivered subpoenas for every document, every conversation, every tweet, every email, uh, because I think it's clear that this, these are people who are literally just running over the law pursuing innocent people, causing them to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees for no justification. And it's basically a lynch mob. And unfortunately, the Attorney General of the United States has joined that lynch mob and is totally misusing the FBI. And I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep and they're the ones who are, in fact, going to, I think, face a real risk of jail uh, for the kind of laws they're breaking. Now, to that, Liz Cheney came out today and said, a former Speaker of the House is threatening jail time for members of Congress who are investigating the violent January 6th attack on our Capitol and our Constitution, Cheney said. What the heck is she doing? Bingo. I mean, gosh. This is what it looks like when the rule of law unravels. No, Liz, the actions of the January 6th committee is what it looks like when the rule of law unravels. Well, you know, everyone knows Liz Cheney's hatred for Donald Trump. Well, apparently now for the Constitution and America and everything about the Republican Party. But, I mean, it's such a sham uh, investigation process. I mean, they're they're not requesting information from a single Democrat. Yeah, yeah. You know, Na- Nancy Pelosi re- repeatedly refused to seat uh, Banks and yeah. Jordan. Uh, it just, I, I, it's just amazing to me that it's just. It's the same old, you know, Trump, uh, um, you know, one and two uh, impeachment here. I mean, it was just a sham. Well, it, 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 it is exactly the same, because if you remember last month, Adam Schiff, the guy who lied about the telephone call between Trump and the Ukrainian president, mm-hmm. remember, he he read a transcript that was totally fiction. Art, artistic license, you might get yeah. the easy way to say it. Well, he did that with Mark Meadows' emails. Yeah, he did. Sure did. They, uh, Jim Jordan had an email that he sent over to uh, Mark Meadows. And Schiff, uh, and, and they made a graphic to make it look like it was a photograph of the actual email or the text. I can't remember which it was, text or email. And uh, But he, he made this big graphic to make it look like this is really official. This is a photograph of the real thing. Th- th- it was fictional. He, mm-hmm. he went in, and it was like a, a three, three paragraphs. He takes the first sentence 
shortens it, puts a punctuation mark where he wanted it to end, and basically it, it was a statement that um, Vice President Mike Pence, as president of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional ha- as no electoral votes at all, period, end of sentence. Well, the sentence goes on. In fact, there are there, the paragraph goes on, and there's two other paragraphs, and there's also an addendum attached to the email talking about the, the, the rationale of how the vice president could legally object to the Electoral College's vote. It was, it was okay, this, it wasn't a suggestion that you, you know, we want you to do this. It was, well, here, here's the legal course if he wanted to take it. Adam Schiff totally, totally, just as he lied about Trump, totally lied about the emails from Mark Meadows, and yet this guy continues to serve in Congress, continues to lie about people. And you know what? I hope Newt Gingrich is correct. I hope that the Republicans have enough chutzpah to hold these rascals accountable. But you know the truth of the matter? They won't. I mean, I would be pl- I would be shocked if they did, but they won't. You know, we I don't know, weeks ago we had Congressman Greg Murphy on, and, and we were asking him about this. And I remember asking him the question about what is the difference between if if I'm called as a witness testifying before Congress, I can be held in contempt and be charged for lying to Congress when a member of the committee lies. I mean, yeah. I mean do they not take an oath? Uh, I just uh, I don't understand yeah. the process, but it's yeah, it's entirely I, exactly. political. And exactly, it, and it's you can meaningless. be charged if you lie to them, but they can lie about you, and it's no big deal. Yeah, and and you know that's what that's what just irritates the living daylights out of the American voter. These the the two levels of standard that Congress lives by it, and the rest of us, mm-hmm. the rest of the poor schmucks, have to uh, fend for themselves. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, and this could be a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? Sharing certain information is perfect for the drive at five with Tom and Beanie. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? News now and when it breaks with lots of blathering in between. Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Payback is hell. Beanie and Cecil. <laughs> Payback is hell. <laughs> uh, Queen Nancy announced this afternoon she will seek re-election in this upcoming midterms, which sort of surprised me because I don't think she'll be speaker. Um, the old gal turns 82 in March. Mm. Wow. I guess she wants to make a little more money on some stock transactions while she's yeah, in office. Probably so. Probably so. Well, yeah, I mean, the narcissism that takes place in D.C. is such that, you know, you, you got to keep running. By the way, the uh, another Dem uh, bit the dust. It was, uh, I think his name's uh, Jim Cooper out of uh, Tennessee. 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 Yeah. And apparently um, the Tennessee uh, legislature has uh, redrawn maps and— uh, since he doesn't have a map that he can, uh, you know, a district he can easily win, he's decided to uh, call it quits. And uh, now their situation in Tennessee is they've got a conservative legislature and they've got a conservative governor, so they won't have what we have here in North Carolina. Tennessee's a red state, except for you know, 
two or three metro areas. And Nashville's one of them. That's where yeah. this guy's from. And um, and and a lot of people are moving in Tennessee, and I've met a lot of them, and and they're not bringing liberal politics with them. The people that I've met that's moved to Tennessee from a lot from the Midwest and Northeast, um, they just want to get to, in California. They just want to get the heck out of a crime riddled cities and democrat all you got to do is watch the nightly news the national nightly news each night and when we watch the news and then say grace before we have our dinner we say thank you lord that i live in rural eastern north carolina where people have some common sense i mean well if i will (laughs) but if i was in new york i mean it's just like how do i get out of here and the exodus uh, you know last one out please turn out the lights the Florida Department of Health announced that it is closing all its monoclonal antibody treatment sites in the state after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration rescinded emergency use authorizations for two particular treatments of COVID-19. The FDA announced today that, or yesterday, that it will no longer permit the use of the combination of drugs known as Regeneron. So um, what what is really interesting about this is the FDA said that data shows that these treatments are highly unlikely to be active against Omicron. And because Omicron is believed to account for more than 99% of current COVID-19 cases, the treatments are no longer authorized. It explained that this was meant to prevent side effects from treatments they do not believe will work. It's like, hello, are you talking about the vaccines or Regeneron? I mean, mm-hmm. quite, quite frankly, the, these are drugs that are, are proven, are cheap, and have virtually no side effects. And by the way, you're, you're saying that they don't do anything from Omicron? Well, it sounds to me like, I mean, I'm not a doc, but everything I read, it sounds like the vaccines aren't doing anything for Omicron. I, I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and you know— how how are people going to trust what comes out of the government as it relates to public health anymore and the FDA? I mean, they've been wrong at every turn um, about this, and 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 you know maybe uh, you know maybe people would give them the benefit of the doubt, but they were always so emphatic about everything. Oh yeah, and, and yep, and it's just I don't, I don't know. I'm afraid that the medical profession and public health in general have lost some trust that they may never get back you know it's interesting the uh biden surgeon general uh murphy was Mm -hmm. uh calling for joe rogan's show to be censored because he doesn't like what joe rogan's has on there and of course he had on uh dr malone who was a part of this uh defeat the mandate rally up in dc and uh in fact he was uh, very involved in the development of the vaccines. Yeah, and, he was uh, RNA technology, I think. Yeah. And so wh- what is the solution? The solution is we need to make sure that anybody that speaks against Fauci and the vaccines, that questions what the federal government is doing, we need to make sure they're censored. That's that's their answer. And, and by the way, kudos to the people that put on Defeat the Mandate uh, rally in D.C. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. success. And hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody.